This is going to be old man football disguised as spread offenses. This is going to be fun. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. And also, the Rebels play the Texas A&M Aggies Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time. It is a chance to listen to David Kellum and the Rebels hometown crew as Ole Miss looks to continue their run. Catch every play of the Rebels home team broadcast with SiriusXM on Channel 190 or on the SXM app, searching Ole Miss Rebels. Hello, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast, and today's show is brought to you by the Game Time Ticketing app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, all one word, for $20 off your first purchase. All right, this is going to be a lot of fun, and, and Ole Miss has played four game, or two games this season against teams that had the talent to really take over Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is going to play Two games back-to-back with teams that have talent at that level. The Alabama game, obviously we know how that went. It was on the road, but we know how that game went. Against LSU, it was at home. We know how that game went. Texas A&M has the talent to do a similar type situation to Ole Miss in this game. And, of course, we all know Georgia will as well. Today's show, we're going to give you the keys to victory and what Ole Miss needs to do to win this game. And I tell you right now, this is a front seven, old-timey, SEC, old man football type game that's going to be disguised as a spread offense, um, finesse-looking thing. But this is going to be a line of scrimmage, old-style SEC football game. And let's tell you, the keys of the game, Ole Miss has to earn the right to throw at that secondary. The weak point of the Texas A&M secondary Our defense is the secondary. Their front seven is pretty good. They lead the nation in sacks and tackles for loss. This is a very good front line. So Ole Miss is going to have to schematically put things together in order to go at that secondary. Real similar to what they did against LSU. We need to take advantage of how good that front is and take advantage of how you can victimize that secondary a little bit. The front seven that bothers the most, the other team the most will win the game. If it's AM front seven on Jackson Dart, if it was Ole Miss front seven on Max Johnson, whoever is winning that battle is going to win the game. And third of all, Ole Miss needs to vary the tempo of the offense to help the offensive line. I'm not talking about running plays quickly like you think of whenever we talk about Ole Miss's tempo. I'm talking about after the ball is snapped. You need some three steps. You need some one steps. You need some five steps. You can't just do second-level RPOs, third-level RPOs against this defense because of what could happen. You saw against Alabama how it can get bogged down when you play against an elite defensive line. Ole Miss has to be mindful of that as well. So let's start off with the offense um, earning the right to go at that secondary. And the front seven, like I said, for A&M, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment, the front seven is very, very good. So you need to be able schematically and through talent and using all the weapons at your disposal. I know whenever you play against a good front seven, 
you're going to have that person at a bar. It's like, well, they should just run screens and draws. And that's part of what Ole Miss needs to do. But they also need to run some stuff quick. They need to run some go routes. They need to run some win routes. They need to run some bubbles. They need to hit the tight end and pop passes. They need to run some hitches to where the defensive line is going forward at the quarterback, but they don't know that, hey, in two and a half seconds, we have to get to this point to get the quarterback because every play has that constant rhythm and tempo. Also, Ole Miss needs to utilize the jet sweep game, utilize the toss pitch game to get the defensive line going side to side. You need to create movement so that your actual tempo can create a little bit of an advantage working against A&M and to make it to where you can victimize that secondary a little bit. Now, Ole Miss offensively this year is a little bit different. And if you look at Jackson Dart's numbers this season, he's 106 for 211, 2,080 yards, 14 touchdowns, four interceptions. That roughly projects out to about 21 touchdowns, six interceptions, about 3,000 yards passing. He is having a perfectly good um, year. But after Ole Miss victimized A&M with the run game last year, because everybody can remember that Ole Miss ran completely and devastatingly over Texas A&M last year, they're going to be up. The front seven is going to be with their mindset to take away Quinshawn Judkins. And A&M does do some light box stuff. They do do some things that are a little bit what Chris Partridge did and that drop eight type coverage. Texas A&M will know that they probably can't do that. So they're going to change up to try and take away what Ole Miss did. Well, Ole Miss took away – Ole Miss beat them with their running game last year and their running game from the quarterback position. This year, it's a little bit different. And whether it's through injuries or otherwise, Ole Miss has had a pretty decent year throwing the ball where they have a one receiver normally that is the dominant aspect of their offense. This year, they really have four different people that in any given day game can be the dominant player. And Trey Harris, he has 27 catches, 536 yards, and six touchdowns. And he missed two, roughly two games, maybe three games. Um, yeah, he missed two lane Georgia Tech, and he wasn't really back for Alabama. So say three games. So he's roughly missed half the season. He is probably Ole Miss's top weapon at the wide receiver position. But because of injuries, Ole Miss had to diversify this season. When you look at Dayton Wade, Dayton Wade has at his root, played so well, and they like him so much, he's taken reps away from Zachary Franklin. And we don't know that Zachary Franklin is going to be that dude this year. Dayton Wade had a really good game against the Vanderbilt Commodores. 36 catches, 522 yards, three touchdowns. He is the designated jet sweep guy in this offense. And the real interesting thing, the way it's worked out, is Ole Miss kind of, even though – Dayton lines up on the outside. Ole Miss is essentially playing with two slot receivers at time and letting Trey Harris be the outside guy. And it just kind of worked out that way because of the injury. But him and Jordan Watkins kind of do different things that a slot receiver normally does. You put Dayton Wade with Jordan Watkins and you have what Elijah Moore did for Ole Miss in 2020. But Dayton Wade is kind of the jet sweep guy. He's a really fast guy. He's, he also plays a little bit on the outside. His hands are really good. Jordan Watkins is the receiver that goes over the middle of the field. He can occupy linebackers. He can do stuff like that. And now with the advent of Caden Priestcorn, that is probably going to become more effective. And 
if you look at Jordan Watkins, he's got 39 catches, 580 yards, and two touchdowns. All the while, essentially missing the last two games, even though he played, because he's been working back from an injury, playing essentially with a device, we'll say, on his right hand. Caught some passes against Tulane, but his main work that he's been doing over the last two weeks has been catching punts. So we'll see exactly how that goes as he's going to get better and better and better. And it looks like he's on track to not necessarily be 100% for Texas A&M, but to be fairly close to 100% and 100% for Georgia, which is a big step for the Ole Miss offense. Ole Miss, through their scheme, needs to earn the right to throw to these guys. These are weapons that Ole Miss has on the outside. Texas A&M is going to focus on Quinshawn Judkins because they have to, because of what Quinshawn did to them last year. All of this is on their memory. Jimbo remembers Quinshawn and Zach Evans running all over that defense. They are going to work to prevent that as much as possible. Now, Clark Lee, let's just hope that he didn't expose something again that DJ Durkin recognizes against the Ole Miss offense. But I think the pass game will be a major key for the Ole Miss offense. And, and throwing at the corners that Texas A&M has, Trey Harris is in, in line to have a pretty big day. And then you have the slot receivers and the tight ends that are going to work over the middle of the field that is going to keep players occupied. The linebacker for Texas A&M, I just blanked on his name. You need to figure out a way to occupy him and use his aggressiveness against him. He's a really good football player. But if Ole Miss can do that and earn the right to go after that secondary, that's going to be fantastic and a very good news day for Ole Miss football. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to tell you why that's not as easy as it sounds because Ole Miss is playing against a team that it probably has a talent deficiency against. This team obviously has the talent to win the game, and it's going to be an absolute dogfight. And in the third segment, we're going to let you know the lines come down a little bit. We're going to show that to you as well. But right now, we do want to let you know, this show is brought to you by the Game Time Ticketing app, and you shouldn't have to worry about when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Seriously. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy your tickets for all the sports, music and comedy, and theater, theater events near you. If you are near Oxford and you want to go to the game, the Game Time Ticketing app can have something that you need. And I'm going to tell you something at the end of this that might save you a little bit of money. It's easy to find and buy tickets of every kind of event in your area. You can see the view from your seat so you know exactly what to expect when you get into the stadium. All-in prices show your total fee up front so you're not getting caught with hidden fees. You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Click, click, 60 seconds, you're done. You've bought tickets. You can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time ticketing app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E, for $20 off your first purchase. That's a $20 rebate. Terms apply. Again, create that account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E, Locked On College, all one word, for $20 off. Download the Game Time Ticketing app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. College football season is here, and this season, Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff. Live each Friday, Locked On will go live at 11 a.m. Eastern on every 
College YouTube channel. College Football Kickoff Live will cover playoff implications, the conference rivalry games, and go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College coach host covering the team every day. Find Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You will not want to miss it. Also, this weekend, um, we went over 5,000 subscribers, so thank you to everybody that did, but we're trying to get to 6,000 now. And what that means, if we get to 6,000 subscribers, we'll start doing remote broadcast. If we get to 7,000 subscribers, we're going to start doing a call-in show, which could be a, a lot of fun as well. So these are just two things that are on down the line for our subscribers, if they subscribe to the podcast, to get. Now, if you are already subscribed to the podcast, thank you so much. Please evangelize the podcast to your friends. Get another friend to sign up to the show. If you are a listener on Spotify or iTunes or Apple Podcasts or anything like that, go over to the YouTube page, Locked On Ole Miss Podcast, and subscribe to that channel because that helps us out as well. So thank you very much for that. But yeah, we're coming up remote broadcast, call-in show. That's the next three, two things. The event for getting 5,000 subscribers is to, tonight will be our inaugural live stream that we're doing, that we're going to react to the college football playoff rankings tonight. All the stuff that we used to do on Discord Live, I hope everybody joins us for that. It should be a lot of fun. It should be at about 8.15 Eastern. Somewhere around that ballpark, we're going to go live. So um should be a lot of fun, indeed. All right. This game is going to be a lot of fun. And not necessarily for the fan that the only, is only having fun if you're winning the game. But if you want to see a 1990s-era SEC football game disguised as a 2020 spread offense game, this could be it. This this is a game where it could legitimately be 20 to 17, 20 to 14, something like that. It could absolutely happen. And when you look at this Texas A&M front seven and this Ole Miss front seven, you can see what I mean. So Ole Miss is, has an extremely explosive defense, defense through eight games this year. They are fourth nationally in sacks with 30. They are eighth nationally with 63 tackles for loss. This Ole Miss defense is monumentally good. You talk about the land shark defense that Ole Miss did back in the 2008-2009 time frame. This defense would favor favorably with that. In fact, the last time an Ole Miss defense held three consecutive SEC teams under 300 yards, was 2008 and 2009, the original Land Sharks. And part of that was that just obliteration of Mississippi State. But you can see Ole Miss is fourth in the nation in sacks with 30 and eighth in the nation in sacks with tackles or in tackles for loss with 63. Here's the problem, all right? Texas A&M is number one in both of those. Texas A&M's defensive line is really good, and there's five-star players all across their front. Walter Nolan, McKinley Jackson, who you might recognize from Ocean Springs. There's five stars that they've been recruiting that have finally matured to the point that they're a pretty good defense, and their front seven's pretty good. Sacks, they have three more sacks with 33. They're the number one team in the country for that, and they're also number one in tackles for loss, and they have roughly 12 more than Ole Miss. So the team that can block these guys and get some stuff figured out 
is probably going to be the team that wins this game. Now, you're going to need to run the ball. You're going to need to get, keep this defensive line honest. But both teams, now I'm not going to say they have issues on the offensive line, although Texas A&M kind of does. Um, Ole Miss's offensive line is a little bit better, but the, from the looks at it, Texas A&M's defensive line is a little bit better as well. So can you block? Can you do the things that are necessary to do? Now, this is a situation where Ole Miss runs second and third level RPOs to where he needs to hold the ball for two and a half to three seconds. Texas A&M's defensive line is going to get home. Clark Lee did some stuff over the weekend, just like he did a year ago, that caused some problems with the Ole Miss offensive line. He's really good at like figuring out protections and figuring out how to attack them. They did some double A-gap zone blitzes where one was a slightly delay to where the offensive line already had to choose their blocker. The running back obviously had to pick theirs out, and there was a free rusher. Jackson Dart missed those. There was no hot read in that situation. I begin to wonder sometimes if there's hot reads at all. Um, But if that happens, he's in a little bit of trouble. It's that engage eight stuff that they do that we've seen for roughly about a year now. Everybody is doing that, so it's going to be imperative for Ole Miss to adjust to that. This front seven type game, Ole Miss is going to have to figure out a way to block this defensive line, to give Jackson Dart the time to attack that secondary. Because let me tell you this right now, if Jackson Dart has time to throw against the secondary, he's going to light them up. Texas A&M has good skill players. Texas A&M has a lot of good things. But Max Johnson is not as good as a quarterback as Jackson Dart. Max Johnson's a fine backup. He's a really good player. He just doesn't seem to have the arm strength. It's kind of Danny Werfel-like. I know that's sacrilegious considering his dad went to Florida State. But there's some stuff that Bobby Petrino is going to do that has to scheme up plays and scheme up passes. And the stuff that is really downfield to where the ball is getting driven, Max Johnson's not necessarily can do. So you're going to see a lot of Lucy routes. You're going to see a lot of finesse passing game. You're going to see some hide routes. You're going to see some arrow screens. You're going to see an area to where they're just trying to gain, keep the chains moving because he can't necessarily drive it downfield. Now, at the same time, while this is going on, Cedric Johnson and Jared Ivey and those dudes are really working. And I, and I think Santarian Perkins has a chance to be really special in this game because every time there's a mobile quarterback, Perkins plays a big role in this defense. And believe it or not, Max Johnson can run a little bit. So I'm not saying there's necessarily going to be spying him, but it's going to be a situation, I think, where you're looking at Santarian to get home. But this is a front seven game. The team that wins front seven, offensive line versus defensive line, is going to win this game. If Texas A&M can affect the offensive line more than they, um, the Ole Miss offensive line, defensive line affects the Texas A&M offensive line, Texas A&M is going to win the game. If it's the reverse, Ole Miss is going to win the game. This is a situation of two fairly evenly matched teams. There were eight games going into the schedule that Ole Miss had at better talent than who they were playing. The four that they were not was Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, and Georgia. They went one and one in the first two. Now it is time for back-to-back weeks of the next two, just like there were back-to-back weeks of the first two. And how special this season is going to be is going to be dependent on what that offensive line can do against Texas A&M's defensive line. Because 
Right now, if you look at bowl projections, they have Ole Miss in the Citrus Bowl against Penn State, by the way. That would be a pretty fantastic game. But the only way for Ole Miss to end up at the Citrus Bowl is for them to drop one of these games other than Georgia. Because if Ole Miss is 10-2 and two with only a loss at Georgia, they're in an access bowl. I don't know which one, but they're in one. If they lose two, they're in the Citrus Bowl. And, hey, that's 40 minutes from my house. I can have a good time at the Citrus Bowl. And if they play Penn State, I will have a lot of fun because I mentioned on Twitter, I had a JL1 when I was in the Navy up in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, that always talked about how superior Penn State was to Ole Miss in every way. It would be nice to see that in the same way that me hearing from my family growing up of how superior Nebraska was to Ole Miss in every way. And if they ever played, Ole Miss would never win. Ole Miss is obviously 1-0 against Nebraska. Maybe they can um, handle business against Penn State. All right, when we come back, I'm going to tell you one of the things that Ole Miss can do to win that front seven battle. I think it's a very important thing. It's something that, honestly, you're not going to hear from other people. It's kind of like something that I'm just obsessing about at the moment, but if Ole Miss does it, they'll win the game and they'll win it going away. I'll tell you about that in just a second. Right now, I do want to let you know that this show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. That makes that money line even greater than it was before. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I realize that Mississippi is a brick-and-mortar casino state, but if you're in Tennessee, if you're in Louisiana, those can sign up for FanDuel, and you can take advantage of this offer. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. The Rebels play the Texas A&M Aggies Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time. This is a chance to listen to David Kellum and the Rebels hometown crew as Ole Miss looks to continue their run. Catch every play of the Rebels home team broadcast with Sirius XM on channel 190 or on the SXM app searching Ole Miss Rebels. All right, two major issues that we talked about. We talked about the diversity that the Ole Miss offense has had, and I think that is going to be a key against the team that there's nothing they can really just take away. If, if you have four players that are really good, you have to pick one of them that you're going to try and take away with your defense, and they're obviously going to go after Quinshawn, so I think the receivers have a chance to have a day. The front seven, the, this is going to be a war. This is – this is going to be a battle. Um, McKinley Jackson, Ocean Springs, Walter Nolan from Tennessee. These are top five players in the country when they came out. Texas A&M's front seven, really, really good football players. So Ole Miss is going to have to bring it, and they're going to have to do things schematically that can kind of force that front seven to get a little bit tired. And whenever they get tired, Ole Miss can lean on them a little bit because Ole Miss has better running backs. Heck, I think Ole Miss has better wide receivers, although I like Evan Stewart, and I like Anaya Smith, and I like um, Moose Muhammad. Uh, I mean, good players. Reuben Owens and their running back core. I like Texas A&M's running backs as well. 
I honestly, I just kind of feel for them that they lost Connor Wegman um, because I, I, I think with Wegman, this team would be a little bit more dynamic moving forward. And you're going to see AM fans that are talking about, hey, should we make a change? No, you should not absolutely make a change. You, you just shouldn't. But one way that Ole Miss can vary, um, the, they can kind of make that front seven work and to give themselves an advantage with all of those pieces is by varying the tempo. And what I mean by that is Ole Miss has a chance to get – they have a tendency, I should say, to get static to where every play is the RPO where you either give the ball to Quinshawn or the quarterback's back there for two and a half seconds, the offensive line makes the box, and you throw the ball downfield and it's either complete or incomplete. We've all seen that. When Ole Miss gets into a rut, that is usually their first warning sign is every play starts to look the same. Against LSU, you saw this. And so this is like proof of concept, what I'm about to tell you. It, Ole Miss needs to vary its tempo, whether through jet, jet sweeps, which needs to come back, or the toss sweeps, or getting the ball out to your playmakers in space to make that defensive line to run side to side when they're instead of just teeing off and getting back to a certain spot two and a half seconds after the ball is snapped. I think you can make this defensive line a little bit tired. I think the tempo can wear on them. And if you change the tempo, all of a sudden it puts doubt in your mind because if they're worried about screens and they're, you know, I think it's Kenton Gibbs. Um, from Locked On Wolfpack, who um, does Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. It's like, if you're thinking, you're stinking. And Ole Miss needs to figure out a way to make those superior athletes, because on the defensive line, those are some dudes. Ole Miss needs to figure out a way to slow them down. And you do that, obviously, by every college football fan knows, run screens and draws, and also side to side, make them work, use tempo, and also vary the time that the play is going out. Don't necessarily always take deep shots. Be judicial with your shots downfield. If you do this, all of a sudden, it gives you the right to work at the defensive back because that whole defense does not know what you're going to do. And when this offense is clicking, like really clicking, like we saw against LSU, they can make the opponent want to quit because it can just wear them down and there's just no hope. Ole Miss against LSU was down by four points or something like that, three points, and maybe even less than that. Got the ball back with like a minute and 12 seconds left, two minutes and 12 seconds left. Had 88 yards to go, and every person watching that game knew that Ole Miss was going to score a touchdown. And everybody's going to say, but LSU's defense was bad. Yes, but also their confidence was destroyed by the end of that game. 90% of college athletics is confidence. If you don't think you can do it, you can't do it. And they didn't think they could stop Ole Miss's offense by the end. Ole Miss had proved over and over again, and the tempo wore them down. And 27 minutes time of possession of Ole Miss running tempo is kind of the magic number. If Ole Miss hits 27 minutes in time of possession running their normal offense, they will wear out this Texas A&M unit, and all of a sudden you'll see Quinshawn busting stuff. You'll see Ulysses Bentley. You'll see wide receivers running wide open. If this looks like the Georgia Tech game, like we told you against Auburn, if it looks like that, it's going to be problematic. 
Bobby Petrino and Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher and all of them are coming to Oxford to win the ball game. They know they have the talent to do it. They know all of that. Lane Kiffin is taking shots at Jimbo Fisher. If you want to talk about a game that's personal, this game is personal. And right now, if you want to look at it, FanDuel has the line going down to three and a half points. It's gone down a point. The under-over is good. Over-under has gone down like three points. It's at 53 and a half. So you can check that out as well. It should be a lot of fun. But if Ole Miss does these three keys, and I'm not saying they will, but if they do these three things, these simple things, Ole Miss is going to win this game in a boat race. If they don't do them, it could be problematic. It all comes down to schematically figuring out what you need to do. Whenever these games against teams that have superior talent to what you have on the field, Ole Miss has to show off and flex their muscle with scheming. And I think Lane Kiffin, he has absolutely made his bones doing just that. Anyway, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. These are the keys to being victorious against the Texas A&M Aggies. It should be a lot of fun. We'll see exactly how it goes. Happy Halloween, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hotty toddy.